It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Geraldo Rivera. I'm Emily Campagno. And I'm Eric Sean. This is a Fox News Rundown. Thursday, September 1st, 2022. I'm Dave Anthony. President Biden will address the nation tonight. His focus, the battle for the soul of the nation. His critics say it's just a political stump speech. There has never been a president who has done something like this a few weeks before the election, asked the major networks to give him free airtime to attack the other party. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. Home energy bills have gone up here in the U.S., but even more so in the U.K. and Europe, where officials blame Russia as the U.S. tries to supply Europe's demand for natural gas. But then, you know, what's going to happen when winter comes and we need those supplies here? It means that we're going to see sharply higher prices here as well. And I'm Jimmy Fallon. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. President Biden will go prime time tonight at least on the East Coast, addressing the nation from outside Independence Hall in Philadelphia. And the White House says his focus will be on the continued battle for the soul of the nation. You may recall, when he took office, the president called for unity. With unity, we can do great things, important things. And unity is the path forward. Hoping in his inauguration speech... We can see each other, not as adversaries, but as neighbors. We can treat each other with dignity and respect. For without unity, there is no peace, only bitterness and fury. But that unity has been hard to come by. And in recent months, the president has singled some Republicans out more and more. Trump supporters. I don't have to tell you about the ultra-MAGA agenda attacking families and our freedoms. Tonight he's expected to say our democracy is at stake. The idea you turn on a television and see senior senators and congressmen saying, if such and such happens, there'll be blood in the street. Where the hell are we? That was Tuesday when he also went to Pennsylvania and called threats against the FBI after the search at the former president's home sickening. Let's be clear. You hear some of my friends in the other team talking about political violence and how it's necessary. Themes we might hear more of tonight in the address that is supposed to start just after 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, actually, it's kind of a disunity call. And, you know, I, I was actually shocked when I heard about this. Mark Thiessen is a former White House speechwriter turned Fox News contributor, a senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. As a speechwriter in the Bush administration, I wrote many presidential primetime addresses at the nation, and every single one of them was used to either announce military action or discuss a major policy initiative that the president was putting forward or asking Congress to do something about. It was, you know, he, he gave speeches about the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, about Hurricane Katrina, immigration reform, the financial crisis. What Biden is doing here is com- something completely different. And what it is, is a campaign ad and an attack on the Republican Party. Now, President Trump gave his Republican National Convention speech from the White House, but that was that the networks cover convention speeches for both parties uh, in prime time anyway. So it didn't get him any benefit. There, there has never been a president who has done something like this a few weeks before the election, asked the major networks to give him free airtime to attack the other party. 
Uh, it's unprecedented, and I don't think they should give it to him or they should charge him for it. Now, the pre- the White House is, is making it out to be that, that this is about how vital and important it is in America's standing in the world and that democracy itself was at stake. So the White House would argue that there there are big issues here that he's addressing. The White House is basically their their feeling is that the Republican Party is a threat to democracy. And that's a political position. And they're welcome to have it. And the president is welcome to go out and give speeches to do that, to say that. But that's not addressing a, a natural disaster. That's not addressing a war. That's not addressing legislation that he wants to pass. These are the things that are legitimate uses of this pulpit. I mean, even the State of the Union address, which is which is a legitimate uh, venue, they give the Republicans a, a, a rebuttal in that because that scene is, uh, you know, there's a political argument to that. I mean, it's just the idea that he's going to use a nationally televised address, do something that no president, Republican or Democrat, going back 40 years, has ever done, deliver a campaign speech, and use the presidential bully pulpit to do it is is just absurd. Now, you've been there writing speeches like the State of the Union. What are the things that you think that the president would highlight? What would you have him put, since it is a chance to make a politics speech, what would you have him highlight? Well, first of all, he'd never hire me to write it because I wouldn't be able to help him with the kind of speech he wants to give. <laughs> um, but I would, I, if I was had the input, I would say, Mr. President, why don't you explain to the American people why you violated every principle you outlined in your inaugural address when you said you're going to put your whole soul into uniting the country and bringing Americans together or your your victory speech in Delaware after you won the election where you said that we need to turn down turn down the temperature and le- learn to uh, live together again and put aside the harsh rhetoric what and then turned around a few weeks before the election and called your opponents semi-fascists what, first of all, Mr. President, what is a semi-fascist? I didn't know that there was. That's like that's like calling someone a moderate Nazi. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as a semi-fascist. You're either a fascist or you're not a fascist. There's no in between. Well, I can um, see why so he wouldn't just, want you, you just, in the room helping with his speech. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, let's let's explain your hypocrisy. <laughs> that's what I would tell him to do. But he is going to be calling out. I'm I'm guessing he's been doing the ultra mega Republican line for a while. He does over and over say they're taking away rights and freedoms and trying to destroy America. Do you think that he would mention former President Trump and bring up what's going on with the FBI and the investigation into the documents in Mar-a-Lago? Or would you tell him to steer clear of that? It's not presidential and it's not the right forum for that. Uh, so again, in the continuing theme of this is inappropriate, it would certainly be inappropriate to attack to attack uh, President Trump uh, by name. Um, no, I don't think he should be talking about Mar-a-Lago and, and and that. Though you know, here's the thing: what he's doing is a very deliberate strategy, which is that he has presided over the he's the least popular president in the history of presidential polling, going all the way back to Harry Truman. Even even with his this this uptick everyone's talking about right now, he's still more popular, unpopular than every president at this point in their terms, other than Harry Truman at the same time. And so what he's doing is trying to distract all that by saying, don't look at me, look at Trump, look at the Republicans. And there's some and to, to in truth, that's not an ineffective strategy. It worked for him in uh, in 2020 when he ran. And the reality is, is that the polls are closing a little bit. And what should be a historic red wave election is looking closer than it than it ought to be. And that's not because people are looking at Joe Biden and, and warming up to him. It's because they're looking at the Republicans and the alternative they present. And they're not and they and they don't find it attractive. So, you know, it, it, the Republicans and Trump, by having all these classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, you know, I don't think the raid was justified. 
but but he always gives them a pretext to go after him. Yeah, he may, you know, they, 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 the call he made to Zelensky, most Americans didn't think that was an impeachable offense. I didn't think it was an impeachable offense. Still wasn't a perfect call. Still wasn't a smart thing to do. The day after he's cleared by the Mueller report and he gave them a pretext to impeach him. Now he's got all these top secret documents um, in, in his home and he's given them a pretext to go after him. He always finds a way to give the Democrats a predicate to go after him, albeit unfairly. Um, and make everything about him. We should not be talking about Republicans, should not be talking about Donald Trump right now. We should be talking about inflation, crime, uh, gas prices. But at the same time, the former president was very involved in the Republican nomination process for the candidates on the ballot in November. Absolutely. And, And that has given Democrats, they believe, an opening. They think that some candidates too aligned to Trump and two aligned to 2020 election fraud claims could cost Republicans maybe seats in a couple of different states. That's very true. It's a real concern. Uh, you know, so, so if you look, you know, everyone's running around saying what a great record Trump has in uh, in uh, in winning nomination fights. Let's see how those candidates do in November. If they lose, I mean, if we lose the Senate because a handful of those handpicked candidates by Trump, uh, you know, don't, don't make it, he's going to own that. Uh, and and he should. The Republican Party, if the, if this this should be a red wave election of a kind that we haven't seen, we the party has literally never had this kind of political opportunity in decades. And if we can't, if the Republicans can't take advantage of it, they're going to have to take a good hard look in the mirror and ask themselves, why do people not find us attractive? Well, there are a couple things going in in the favor of Democrats. Gas prices are down more than a dollar from the record high. And the abortion issue, they seem to be, they're hammering at it after the Supreme Court ruling, and it shows in some polls maybe that that is successful for them as an argument. I assume that the president's going to bring that up again tonight, that they're taking away rights. Yeah, so first of all, on gas prices, gas prices are still, I mean, I'm, I just drove up and down the East Coast, maybe it's better in the Midwest. Uh, up and down the East Coast, the uh, gas is still hovering at four dollars. Sure, even, but that's better than even, five. Even if it gets down to, but you know what? When Joe Biden came to office, it was two fifty. So I mean, any president who says I got gas prices down to four dollars should be fired. <laughs> that's not an achievement. <laughs> Number one, uh, and and uh, and what was the other point of your, uh, part oh, of your the, the abortion issue? Democrats have have yeah. believed they have seized on an issue that is going to bring some voters' independence their way, especially women. Yeah, it depends on where you are. Um, it's not going to help them in in red states. It's going to help them a lot and get out the vote in blue states that they were already going to win. It's a question of how's that going to play in purple states. Uh, it energized. It certainly energized uh, some some people. It's also energized people on the pro life side. You know, when people uh, people forget that when you ask people when they go out and poll and ask people what's your number one issue and they say abortion, a good number of those people are pro life. <laughs> It's, they're not asking, are you uh, are you pro-choice or pro-life in that question? It may be energizing the pro-choice side a little bit more than the pro-life side, but conservatives are pretty energized about the possibility of saving unborn lives uh, in some of these states. So it, it, it's really unclear how that's going to play out. Um, but, you know, the, the, I think the bigger issue is that Joe Biden was elected because a lot of swing voters in this country were tired of Trump. They liked his policies. 
They liked uh, the the economy he delivered before the pandemic. They approved of his policies. In fact, on the eve of the election, 53% of Americans in a Gallup poll said, were asked, are you better off now than you were four years ago? And said yes, which is the highest it's ever been in the history of the Gallup poll. So Americans, majority of Americans like Donald Trump's policies. They just didn't like him. They didn't like the chaos. They didn't like the controversy. They didn't like the constant fighting with the press. And Mar-a-Lago has served to remind them what they didn't like about the Trump years. Does this speech tonight move a needle in any way, in your opinion, as we get to the midterms? Will it have an effect? Uh, who knows? Uh, it may. Uh, you know, people will, uh, people tune into these for the addresses. There's a reason why presidents give these. I mean, you know, the, the State of the Union address is the most watched speech a president gives in his, uh, in his lifetime. And the second closest thing to the State of the Union is a primetime address to the nation. So I think some people will turn, uh, tune in. Um, you know, and and it could move move some numbers. We'll see. We'll see what Biden says. But I, I, that's why he's doing it. And that's why it's so shameful that the networks are giving him time if they are giving him time uh, to make a political speech on primetime television. Mark Thiessen, former speechwriter at the White House for then President George W. Bush, Fox News contributor, senior fellow at the American Enterprise Institute. Mark, good to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Fox News Radio On Demand on the Fox News app. Download the app and just click listen. When you swipe left, you can listen to your favorite Fox News talk shows live. Swipe right for the latest Fox News Radio newscasts on demand. Fox News Radio on the Fox News app. Download it today. This is Jimmy Fallon with your Fox News commentary coming up. As gasoline prices come down a bit, thanks to a decline in oil prices here, they're still high, and U.S. natural gas prices have soared. The U.S. Labor Department said the cost of natural gas was nearly 31% higher this July compared to last. The National Energy Assistance Directors Association says 20 million American households are behind on their energy bills, collectively owing about $16 billion. And if you think it's bad here... It's far worse in Europe. Fox Business correspondent Jeff Flock notes in the UK, energy bills have roughly tripled. In places like Germany, Hanover, Germany, cutting off hot water to public buildings. Italy, limiting AC. you got to have your AC at 81 or above. In Spain, lights off and buildings if they're not occupied overnight. And in France, you get fined if you leave your door open and your air conditioning on at the same time. The EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said this week from Denmark, Russia's President Vladimir Putin is to blame for their energy crisis. Putin, who uses gas as a weapon. The electricity market is not no more a functioning market because there's one actor, Putin, who is systematically trying to destroy it. Nord Stream 1, which flows natural gas from Russia to Germany, is offline for maintenance. Pipeline operator Gazprom says it'll be at least a few days. And in recent months, they've argued maintenance issues have resulted in operating at around 20% of what they'd initially committed to. German officials say no, it's all political. Payback for sanctions issued over Russia's war in Ukraine. Meanwhile, Russia is raking in the cash as energy prices have gone up and Russian exports, especially oil, are being purchased by countries like China and India. Which is why the president at the G7 a couple of months ago uh, really led the world in trying to achieve this this uh, price cap that we're still working on. Now the finance ministers of the G7 are meeting Friday. Uh, we think they're positively disposed to discuss this idea of a price cap and moving it forward. We'll see where they end up. NSC coordinator John Kirby told Fox's Neil Cavuto they're also talking to countries that are currently willing buyers of Russian energy to stop being so willing. In Europe, a group called Gas Infrastructure Europe says European countries have been storing gas at an intense rate. 
to prepare for the winter to lessen future reliance on Russia. I know Russia is the catalyst that's put the spotlight on this, but what it really has been is bad energy policy for years. Phil Flynn is senior market analyst with Price Futures Group and a Fox Business contributor. Europe has sold their soul to the green energy movement and really made a lot of bad decisions when it came to closing down production, uh, shutting down nuclear power plants and becoming dependent on less dependable forms of energy. And the worst thing they did is they became dependent on Russia to bail them out if they had a problem. Well, now we know that Russia is not a reliable supplier. They're using energy as a weapon. And I think Europe has learned a very sad and dangerous lesson. Russia says Nord Stream 1 is offline for maintenance for a few days. And I guess that takes us back to earlier this summer when they complained that a part they needed was stuck in Canada over sanctions issues. Uh, This dramatically uh, reduced energy flowing to, to Germany. And the response, as you just noted, was, okay, so Russia has officially weaponized energy. How much worse does this get as we head into fall and winter? I think it could get a lot worse. This is going to be the winter of danger for Europe. You know, worst case scenario, people could die of uh, freeze to death. Uh, You could see power outages. I mean, this could get really bad. Uh, I'm hopeful it doesn't. But, you know, we could see prices. I mean, if you look at the some parts of the country right now when it comes to their electric bills, I mean, we got a report that in some parts of Europe, it's you can't even charge your electric car because gasoline is cheaper. So this is a mess, right? And Europe knows they're in trouble. They're doing everything they can to build up supplies. But they may have to give in to Russia. You know, Russia holds all the cards right now. Hmm. Uh, and sadly, you know, I think all the Europeans are going to be paying the price. And Russia's doing just fine, right? Despite the sanctions, the flip side of, of all of this um, is that the number this has done on energy markets has been good for exporters. Uh, Russia's seeing these large increases in, in their profits, especially relating to oil, right? I mean, China's buying their oil. Yeah. You know, and this is kind of crazy because President Biden said, you know, we're going to put the toughest sanctions on Russia ever. You know, we're going to bend their will. Right. And first of all, these sanctions were going to stop the invasion. Right. And then they said, oh, no, it was never meant to stop the invasion. It was meant to teach them a lesson. Well, the lesson that they're learning is that countries are going to buy Russian oil regardless of this uh, ban in Europe. And at one point, Russia's exports were actually higher than they were before the war. Now, they've come down a little bit, but the money that they're making from their oil and gas sales are literally through the roof. They're actually doing better. Now, from a war standpoint, that might be a different story militarily. That's a different question. But really, from an energy dominance situation, they're winning the war. They're winning the war on energy. Europe is losing. Now, Europe, of course, is talking about, oh, we got this plan. They're going to try to cap the price of oil, right? You know, uh, I I don't understand how they think that's going to work. I think it probably increases the risk that Russia cuts off supplies and it increases the risk the prices go sharply higher. Phil, we're we're hearing EU and officials in in member countries, they're talking about, you know, we're going to do this big reversal on what energy markets should look like, how they should function. They're talking, as you just referenced, about price caps now. The Chancellor of Germany, Olaf Scholz, said, what is currently being asked as a market price does not reflect supply and demand in the proper sense. So it sounds like they're using market principles and language, right, to, to justify some kind of intervention. 
as you've seen, some energy prices have fallen in, in parts of Europe as they've pledged this intervention. What, what does intervention look like? How, how can it succeed? It's not going to succeed in the long run, right? I mean, the market is kind of reacting to what the politicians are saying, saying this is going to bring down energy prices, and it will for a while, right, until we get down to the actual barrels. And I think that's why you're seeing a growing frustration uh, with oil producers such as OPEC that are saying, you know, if you look at what's happening in the futures price and you look at what's happening in the physical market, it's really two different markets. You know, one market is showing the tightest supplies we've had in a generation going into winter, but yet prices are falling because we're fearful of a recession or we're fearful of an Iranian nuclear deal getting done mm-hmm. to flood the market. But the reality is this might be, you know, a panacea in the short term and mask a much larger problem. And this is the problem. Europe saying we're going to remake the energy markets in our own image. Well, this is why we have a problem in the first place is because they tried to remake the energy markets in their image of green energy. They were telling people not to invest in fossil fuels. That's why we have a problem. You know, now they're going to say we're going to remake it again. Well, I'm very fearful uh, based on their track record, what that's going to look like and what that's going to do to the poor and the middle class. Phil, one of the other reasons I was reading that energy prices have fallen just this week in Europe is also because Europe is rapidly building up storage. How? Where where is that energy coming from? I understand we, the United States, are sending far more than we had been. But does that mean less in, in our inventory? Should we worry about our own natural gas supply? I think we should worry about our own gas supplies. And not only gasoline supplies, we've been exporting record amounts of gasoline to Europe. We've been exporting a record amount of diesel. And believe it or not, we're in a situation right now where because of a issue with one big LNG exporter, the Freeport LNG, we would actually be sending them more. And and our inventories are, what, 13% below average going into winter. Our diesel supplies are, you know, over 20% below the five-year average going into winter. So, yeah, we should be worried, you know, because – We have decided to try to lower prices, right, by flooding the market with strategic oil, exporting every molecule that we can to Europe. But then, you know, what's going to happen when winter comes and we need those supplies here? It means that we're going to see sharply higher prices here as well. And at least that's the real risk that we face here in the United States. You know, President Biden says he wants to get down inflation and bring down oil prices. I'm afraid that his cure might be worse than the disease because what's going to happen is that you bring down prices artificially short term demand starts to go back up and then you Mm -hmm. don't have the supplies to justify that and that usually leads to another price spike we also have reports here at home of millions of people behind on their energy and utility bills that americans owe i think it's double on our energy bills compared to just before the pandemic so and and that's also being linked to higher prices here. What are we experiencing here in terms of, of higher prices? Maybe it's not as bad as Europe, but certainly, I mean, bills have, have gone way up. Way up. I, you know, I think there's over 20 million Americans that are right now that are behind on their energy bills and in risk of shutoff. And, and it's not even cold out, you know? I mean, right. what's going to happen when it's winter, right? I mean, this is some of the disconnected thinking about energy policy in this country. There is no reason in the world 
why the United States energy prices shouldn't be the lowest in the entire universe, right? <laughs> we've got the best technology. You know, we've got the greatest oil and gas industry. We do it cleaner than everybody else. You know, but we continue to throw roadblocks into that, you know, because of the green energy movement. We dissuade investment into these technologies. And because we're trying to pick winners and losers in the green energy space, it leaves everybody else far behind the eight ball. And, and this is a shame. What we should have done is taken advantage of uh, the United States' God-given resources, utilize them in the cleanest, most efficient way, and that would keep down inflation. It helps the poor and middle class, and it helps the overall economy, and it keeps people warm in winter, We, can, you know, which is probably job number one when it comes to energy. Lastly, Phil, I understand the, the Senate spending bill that was recently passed. It, it does require the federal government to auction oil and gas leases on federal land and in the Gulf of Mexico and auction off millions of acres of oil and gas leases before auctioning off similar space in, in, for, for wind and solar farms. Will this help or have oil and gas companies moved on and, and they don't want to subject themselves to maybe potential new rules in the, in the future on federal lands? You know, I think it's a red herring, right? I think this is something that was negotiated into the bill by Joe Manchin so he wouldn't feel guilty by, you know, selling out, you know, to join uh, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act which the administration admit really doesn't bring down inflation. And, and that wasn't the intention. The intention was to get the bill passed, right? And call it whatever you want, you know, and, um, you know, call the pig a, a Cadillac and try to sell it as a Cadillac, but it's still a pig. Um, the bigger concern about that bill, I think it's going to actually raise the price of fossil fuels because there's taxes in there, more regulations, mm. uh, methane emission rules. And I think if they really enforce some of those rules, it's going to put out a business, most of the small oil and gas producers in this country. And these are the, you know, mom and pop oil and gas producers that really built the shale revolution and make a huge difference in the U.S., in the world, by adding a few extra barrels that keeps that buffer and keeps us less reliant on Saudi Arabia and other places, you know, for supply. And, you know, if you start to shut those guys down, what you're going to see is either the big oil companies take over, but what you're really going to probably see is higher prices. Phil Flynn, thank you so much for your time and your insight. We appreciate it. Thank you. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Jimmy Fallon. What's on your mind? So MTV's Video Music Awards were held this past Sunday, and as usual, the big winner was the people who didn't watch. Don't get me wrong, I loved MTV back when music television was actual music television. But these days, MTV plays videos about as often as Joe Biden completes a sentence. And like Joe Biden's sentences, the videos rarely make sense. Of course, the big highlight from this year's award show was a singer named Lizzo who used her acceptance speech to encourage viewers to vote out the laws that are oppressing people in this country. And get this, the audience applauded. Apparently, just because the ratings are low doesn't mean the viewers ain't high. 
Like, hello, nobody's oppressed in this country, especially not a gal like Lizzo, who's made millions of dollars singing and is receiving an award for it while wearing a $50,000 dress. Like, I'll sign up for that level of oppression any day of the week. Here's the deal. Too many liberal lefties like Lizzo have zero perspective on just how lucky they are. They're like the rich kids who think everybody lives in a nice house and drives brand new cars and takes the best vacations. The only difference is the rich kids don't bash their parents half as much as the liberals bash our founding fathers. And I don't mean to get all cranky, but America's a land where anyone can be anything. Think about it. We had a black president who won two elections without having one good idea. Heck, as you listen to this, we have a female vice president who's so dumb she studied for a COVID test. It's that level of upward mobility that has millions of people from around the world risking their lives to come here because for all of its faults, America still remains the land of ultimate opportunity to people who've lived through real oppression. Which is why I say Lizzo, she doesn't need to get out the vote operation. She needs a mirror. And not just because of her outfits. Be sure to listen to Fox Across America with me, Jimmy Fallon, weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on 115 stations, the Fox News app, or foxacrossamerica.com. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. you hear the news now you can with instant updates from fox news for amazon alexa just say alexa play news from fox in fox news it's the latest when you need it on demand from fox news and amazon alexa Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.